So we are in the third of our talks from John's Gospel. This is uh, James, uh, sorry, John chapter 6. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which anyone may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on them at the last day. For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Well, this week, um, we have a joyful return to John's Gospel, having had an interview, if you can remember last week, when we were extremely privileged to have Simon come speak to us on Vision Sunday. It was wonderful when he used the part of a shrewd manager uh, from Luke 16, and got us thinking about how we might use our money. Really cute. And we know what money we get, we want to use widely for God's kingdom. Um, and hopefully, um, that's taken root, and our church can grow as we move more to This morning, our text is from John 6. We are introduced to the first of seven I am sayings. So, who's going to pipe up and tell me what some of the others might be? Jesus claims to be I am. Why are you truthful, Lord? Life the world. Life the world. Resurrection of life, true vine, good shepherd, I am the gate to the door. I think that's seven, isn't it? There's only seven anyway. The great I am, Jesus. And they're only found in John's Gospel. When Jesus speaks himself in this way, as was often the case, he was referring to something in the Old Testament using a comparison and a contrast, he always goes from the lesser to the greater. For example, in the Sermon of the Mount, Jesus says, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He always goes to the lesser and then moves on to something greater. And the two thing, key things I want us to do today is first, to try to understand what Jesus meant when he claimed to be the bread of life and the reaction that that caused. And secondly, to grasp and embrace what that means for us, for Jesus to be the bread of life for us today. 
Now these verses that um, we just read are a part of a larger discourse that Jesus delivered in the synagogue at Capernaum. You would please to know that verse 47 in our passage this morning is one of the clearest and one of the briefest statements in scripture concerning the way of salvation. Jesus here explicitly states in words that could hardly be misunderstood that whoever believes has everlasting life. Why? What a statement that is, isn't it? Whoever believes. That's quite simple. But boy, don't we make it complicated. Whoever believes has everlasting life. He introduces this incredible statement by emphatically declaring, I tell you the truth, or verily, or whatever translation you might read. I tell you the truth. This is true. Whoever believes in me has eternal life and everlasting life. What I'm about to say is absolutely true. Because Jesus is the truth, as we just heard. This is one of a number of verses in the New Testament that teaches us that salvation is not by works, praise God, it's not by being good, not by keeping the Ten Commandments, and it's not by going to church. The way of salvation, of eternal life, is simply believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> if you all agree, let's have a short morning. He then restates what he had said earlier in verse 35. I am the bread of life. Meaning that he is the bread which gives life to those who eat it. He's straight, he says a quite weird on in a way, you know, eating flesh and drinking blood, goodness me. Bread has always been a basic food that sustains life. I don't know about you, but many years ago over at Obdam, um, there's a wonderful bakery. Do you remember? Yeah. Do you remember? <laughs> the best bakery in Bath, that is, and we've got the most amazing fresh bread every day. I think um, royalty, you know, or something like that, provide through royalty, so I gather a lot of them notes. It was the best ever, and you know, you know you, I could eat it all day long. I really could, and that would sustain me. But you know, the one thing it never did, could never give me eternal life. <laughs> it's a basic food that, you know, we all love bread, or well, most of us like bread anyway, don't we? It's that kind of one thing that we kind of feed on that can sustain us. Bread and cheese, that's good enough for me. Um, but bread is a, is a natural food um, across all of the kind of countries um, that is a natural sustenance for life. And Jesus goes on to remind his Jewish audience of how that sustained their ancestors in the wilderness after they had left Egypt. It was about two and a half months after the children of Israel had been in the desert and their food had run out. Whatever food they had didn't last long and it was insufficient to sustain over two million people. In their panic, and fear they blamed Moses and Aaron for their predicament. This is what they said, James, if you can put that. It's Exodus 16, verse 3. 
The Israelites said to them, If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way I will test them and see whatever they, whether they will follow my instructions. They grumbled and grizzled, but like we all do, when things don't go right. And God in his mercy replied, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. Here Jesus reminds the crowd who had enjoyed fish and barley loaves earlier, when he fed the 5,000, that their fathers had ate the manna that God provided for them, but they all died. In other words, manna was for this life only. It had no power whatsoever to give eternal life to those who ate it. So, so far from this text we can learn that the bread from heaven that was called manna sustained the physical life of the Israelites while they were in the wilderness and actually pointed ahead to the true bread of life was Jesus. He went from the lesser to the greater. In contrast to the manna, Jesus spoke of himself as the bread that comes down from heaven. And if anyone ate this bread, they would not die. Every single person has a soul. And for some, the soul is alive. And for others, it's not. The soul is not dead, but it's alive. It's a weird thing to think of, isn't it? Having a soul that's really alive, and one that's dead. But that's what the Bible teaches us. If our soul is not awakened or alive, it's asleep. If we are not spiritually alive in faith, then we are spiritually dead in unbelief. The hard it is, that are difficult to swallow for some people, but that is fact. That's what scripture teaches us. If our physical life ends, when our soul is still dead, then we will spend eternity separated from God. It's fact, that's what scripture teaches. The good news is, which for the Christian is our sure and certain hope, when our physical life ends and our soul is alive, then we will spend eternity with God in heaven, and the joy of life will be ours forever. It's quite black and white. There's no kind of grey areas with salvation. You're either dead or alive. So let's look at what it is that gives us the spiritual life and provides a necessary sustenance so that our spiritual lives are nourished and sustained for eternal life. So what is it that does this? I think it's fairly clear from our reading this morning that it's Jesus. He is the one that nourishes us. He is the one that we can feed on and enjoy eternal life. In verse 53, he says, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Wow. Don't be disturbed 
by these words. Jesus hadn't gone mad, and he was not asking his audience to be cannibals. He wasn't speaking literally, he was speaking spiritually and metaphorically. When Jesus speaks of eating his flesh and drinking his blood, he is simply speaking of having faith in him and only in him for salvation. As we heard at the beginning, it's about faith. He who believes has everlasting life. So eating Jesus' flesh and drinking his blood doesn't mean we've got to turn into candles. We feed on him spiritually. When we trust Jesus for salvation, we appropriate him by faith. St. Augustine said this, believe and you have eaten. That's good, isn't it? That's helpful. Believe, faith, and you have eaten. Jesus, the living bread, came down not from the sky like manna did, he came down from heaven, the abode of God. John 3, 16, that God says that God so loved the world that he gave his one only son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Believes in him, not perish, but has everlasting life. It's about faith. Eternal life is only possible through faith in Jesus and all the accomplished for us on the cross. This is what he is pointing to in verse 15. He will give his life a ransom for humanity. His body will be broken and his blood will be poured out as a sacrifice for our sins and the sins of the world. He will pay the penalty that our sin demanded and he did it for the life of the world. He didn't simply do it for the Jewish nation, not for the privileged few, but his death will be sufficient for the whole world, for you and for me. And that's something to really rejoice in, that salvation is in Jesus and him alone. Again, to underline what Jesus is saying when he refers to eating his flesh and drinking his blood. At this point, he probably wasn't referring to the bread and wine used when he instituted Holy Communion during the Last Supper on the night that he was betrayed because his body had not been broken up to that point and his blood had not been shed. The accounts recorded in Scripture make it very clear that when the disciples ate the bread and the wine, they did not literally eat Jesus' flesh and drink his blood. Of course they didn't. They ate the bread and the wine in remembrance of him. Jesus is simply stating that unless we accept by faith all that he has done for us on Calvary, we can never be truly saved. We must personally believe in him, receive him, and trust him, and become one with him. Further on in John's Gospel, Jesus said to Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And of course she said, yes. So it's believing in Jesus. That's what eternal life is. And in Leviticus 17, God
God is very clear about drinking blood. It's forbidden. So the Jews already knew that they don't drink blood. They have to get all of that out before they eat the meat uh, of animals that have been strangled. There should be no trace of blood in anything. So blood was not to enter their body. So there's no way the Jews would be able to kind of eat, eat flesh and drink blood in that way. And God is, doesn't expect us to either. It's faith in Jesus for eternal life. Verse 56 says, by eating his flesh and drinking his blood, that's faith. Eating his flesh and drinking his blood, that's faith. We remain in him and in his love and he in us. What Jesus wants most of all is intimacy with us. For us to be one with him and he in us. In John 15, he says, abide in me and I'll abide in you. And we do that through faith. Not through eating flesh and drinking blood. It's by faith. By faith in Jesus. And Jesus longed to be intimate with us. He longed to dwell in us as we dwell in him. We come one with him as he is one with the Father. We can enjoy real intimacy. He lives his life out in us. As we by faith surrender and yield our lives to him in wonder and in worship. Oneness with Jesus is life. It's full life. It's abundant life. Surely, that must be the longing desire of every heart to be one with Jesus, to feed on him, to allow him to live in us and make us into the people he wants us to be and enjoy the fullness of life here and now. We can sustain an earthly existence with food and drink, but the reality is we're all going to die. No matter how much medical progress is made, you know, the, the fact is that we're all going to die. That's fact. That's a, a part of life. We die physically. But praise God, we are more than flesh and blood. Thank you, Lord, that he's made us so weird and wonderful. We are body, mind, and spirit, soul. God created us for eternity. But we need to ensure, unless our souls are awakened and come alive through faith in Jesus, that's how eternal life is guaranteed. And we don't have to physically die for it to begin. Eternal life starts now. The moment we believe in Jesus and receive the Lord and Savior. And we feed by faith on him in our hearts. The one who believes has eternal life. Praise God. It's a free gift. The gift of grace. Through faith in Jesus who is the bread of life. Have we learned to live by faith in him. Have we learned how to share every error of our lives with him? Do we daily realign our hearts and wills with his? Do we still hunger for more of him, the bread of life, who alone can satisfy?